eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds. Well, without the computers. Talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome on into a solo edition of the High Hopes Podcast. It is solo because my co-host, one of my best friends, the guy I love talking Phillies with the most, decided to be super selfish and have a baby right in the same time of the Gene Segura trade. So James Seltzer uh, is is officially a dad, which is a good thing. I think he's going to be a good dad. I, I'm going to... Before I break down Gene Segura trade stuff, I, I'm going to break down Seltzer being a dad. Uh, I think he's going to be a good dad. He's a, he's a, he's a very fun-loving guy. And congrats to him and his wife, Emily, both very fun people. Um, again, though, I cannot overstate just how selfish it was of him to have his baby right as, as the Gene Segura trade went down. Like the, We had talked all offseason about how excited we were to do an emergency podcast, how when the Phillies made that first big move, how excited we are to come into the building and, and, and do an emergency reaction high hopes. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do an emergency reaction high hopes because he messed around and had a kid. So uh, it's, it's super selfish of James Seltzer. But as always, congratulations to him. Great dude. And hopefully, Zoe, his daughter, is raised right as a Phillies fan. So, uh, we got to get into it. I know I'm by myself, but I got a lot of takes on what's going on with the Phillies right now. So, first thought is that it was an absolute steal by Matt Klentak to go and get James Pezos. James Pezos is obviously the main part of that deal. As you listen to the High Hopes podcast for however long, you would know that I... Fancy myself as a James Pezos super fan, uh, and I, I really did appreciate. I really appreciate yesterday all of Philly's Twitter finally realizing that James Pezos is a beautiful man. But no, we are not here to talk about James Pezos. Unfortunately, I would love to do forty-five minutes on James Pezos, but we can't do that. So Gene Segura is here, and again, I think this is an absolute, absolute steal by Matt Klentzak. And Obviously, if you listen to the, the podcast, I 
I like Carlos Santana. I like Carlos Santana more than most like Carlos Santana. Me and James both agreed that Carlos Santana was a good player because Carlos Santana in and of itself, or in and of himself, is a good player. He's a, a valuable offensive piece that does more to help a team than hurt a team. But when it supplants your best player and it puts your best player in left field, I, it, it's not going to work out long term. They couldn't walk into next season thinking that Reese Hoskins was really a viable option in left field again because it was such a disaster last year. Like Last year was so bad with Hoskins in left field. Now, Santana obviously was, was a, a good offensive piece, but not, a, not such a good offensive piece that you can put Santana, put, Carl, put Hoskins back in left field next year. Like That just is not, it's not a thing. It's not a thing that was going to happen next year. So for him to get out from under the Carlos Santana contract, and not have to give up. Like I like J.P. Crawford. I think J.P. Crawford is maybe a fine player, but in reality, like you're you're hoping that that J.P. Crawford turns into what Gene Segura is now. Maybe a higher OBP, probably a probably a better glove. But if you watched J.P. Crawford last year and you came away thinking, "I know this guy's going to be a stud," I, I frankly just don't know what you're watching. Like J.P. Crawford's bat is just too slow for me. He's got a a really really slow bat. And for him to, to be a competent major league player, he's going to need to develop quicker hands. And I just didn't see that last year. And then, and then towards the end of the year, he had the shoulder injury. I just, when I watched him this year, I wanted to be more in on J.P. Crawford than I actually was. And for them to, to put in Crawford and, and have the Mariners, for some reason, still seem to value him as like a top prospect, I thought was insane. And for them to take back the Carlos Santana contract, I thought was also insane. And it's just another win Another win by Matt Klintak. For him to, to get out from under the Carlos Santana contract, attach J.P. Crawford, who we're not sure is going to be a, a good Major League Baseball player, get back Gene Segura, and his contract, yeah, it's, it's through 2022, but it's a relatively cheap deal. His contract is relatively cheap. And really, the value he's going to provide on a day-to-day basis is going to be worth giving up maybe the upside of a J.P. Crawford. I know he's 24, but getting back a Gene Segura... Put him at shortstop. He's he has batted like I can't overstate this enough. Gene Segura has batted over 300 for the last three seasons. Led the league in hits a couple years ago. Gets on base at a 340 clip. Is not going to walk a lot, but because he doesn't walk a lot, he doesn't strike out a lot. Gene Segura has a 10.9 percent K rate. Well, he was the fourth hardest guy to strike out in baseball last year. And for the Phillies to add that into the lineup last year, which seem to strike out an insane clip, that's a big win. And I can't overstate enough. Like, losing Carlos Santana, it, it, it's going to hurt a little bit. And having him and Hoskins in the same lineup is a good thing. If you put if you put Santana as, like, your fourth best offensive piece, if you make him not, one of your, not your cleanup hitter, I think people would like Carlos Santana a lot more. Unfortunately, that just wasn't going to happen here. And with Reese Hoskins in left field... I mean, the defensive run save numbers are just outrageous. So it was a deal that, that had to be made. I'm not, I am not upset that Carlos Santana is gone. I am not upset that J.P. Crawford is gone. For them to get back a player like Gene Segura and not have to give up, not, to, not having to attach a major pitching prospect to the entire deal, I don't see how you can view this deal as anything else but a, but a slam dunk win for Matt Klensak. Gene Segura is, a, is an all-star. He's been an all-star two of the last three years. He's a really good player. And yes, I, I think he's, I want to say maybe two years away from, from being a full-time second baseman. Gene Segura to me, like, 
in watching him, kind of looks like a guy that's going to get like a little bit chubby. Like he kind of has that that he's in shape now, but once he hits like 31, he might start uh, adding a few pounds. And I could just see him kind of going over to second base. His range won't be the same. Put him at second, and, and you still have to find shortstop. And maybe that's maybe that's Kingery in a couple of years. I don't want to bank on that just yet because I don't love the idea of Kingery being a full-time shortstop still. But maybe in a couple of years, Gene Segura, when he goes over to second base, um, maybe then Kingery will be good enough to, you know, go over, go over, go over to shortstop. So Gene Segura is here. Also, guys that are here is Juan Acasio. Now Juan Acasio, as I'm sure many of you remember, was a waiver claim pickup by the Phillies last year. Came in, pitched a few games, looked pretty good, and they got rid of him a couple days later. Like he. A very a very quick stay with the Phillies, but he's a he's a he he's a valuable reliever. I mean, he had a he had a six ERA last year. Obviously, that that doesn't look great, but he had two point nine nine FIP, and he was he was he was outperforming his ERA numbers. If you look at all the peripherals, all that fun stuff, Juan Acasio was outpitching his what his ERA was saying. So there's there's some upside there. He also was battling a, a knee injury, I think. So. Wasn't fully healthy. Still put up a good fit. His peripherals were all very good. And, again, if you're going to take back $9 million in contract salary um, and also the Segura deal, which is like $58 million remaining, and you don't have to give a, a, a major, major pitching prospect, I still I, I have to view that as a win. But, obviously, if you listen to this podcast and you, you came here for one reason, and that's to learn about James Pesos. Now, very proud of Philly's Twitter yesterday. James Pezos gets announced, and people <laughs> find his beautiful mugshot and with his beautiful mustache, and they're all in. And God bless you for being all in, because James Pezos is a guy. So I'm sure when you click this podcast today, you were like, I need someone to tell me about James Pezos, and that's, that's what I'm here for. James Pezos, now, I will say, in September last year, he did start to lose a little bit of velocity. His fastball is down to, like, 90, 91, but he was approaching like 60 games at that point. Um, and he's still he's still in the year on a 288 ERA. And he and for the first five months of the year before September, he was pitching to a 268. So there's something in there. And when I watch him, I see a fastball that jumps out of his hands. And it's it's at its best, at its peak, it's like 94, like 94 miles an hour, and it, it jumps on you and it's got late life to it and, and all that good stuff. But what separates James Pezos is that he's an actual wipeout slider. Like, it is a it is a legit wipeout slider. So, am I going to come out and say that James Pezos is, like, amazing? No. But I think, at worst, he's going to get the Phillies a, a nice, reliable lefty reliever. We won't have to – gone are the days, hopefully, of Adam Morgan. But and, – and honestly, I don't think this is the end for the Phillies. Like the, I feel like the Phillies are – kind of building up their bullpen in a way that they have to with Gabe Kapler being their manager. I mean, Gabe Kapler's a guy that, as we saw last year, Gabe Kapler wants to use his bullpen in an aggressive manner. And I really think that the Phillies, at their peak next year, they need to go add a, another number two-ish kind of starter. And maybe that's Patrick Corbin, maybe that's someone else. We'll get into that in a little bit. But they need to go add someone that can give them a good seven innings. Because Aaron Nola, day in, day out, is going to give the Phillies a good seven innings. But they need someone else that can do that as well. A reliable number two. I don't think the Phillies can go into next season relying on Jake Arrieta to be the number two. 
or as much as I love Nick Pavetta, I'm not going to bank on him to develop into a number two. Vince Velasquez, same thing. Eflin, same thing. Even though I think Eflin's going to be traded. But they need to find a reliable number two because I think what Gabe wants to do and what the Phillies want to do is they want to have a reliable enough bullpen where for the, the first two days or the first two series of a game, you have Nola and your number two. Then the three through five starters get them five innings. If you can get them five innings, then Gabe can be aggressive with his bullpen and putting in pinch hitters the right spot to maximize runs. I think the Phillies' strategy is to, to build a super pen, have a, a really solid, add a number two star this offseason, whether it's Corbin, and get, a, get guys that can get the ball to the fifth inning so Gabe can put in pinch hitters and, and go after some runs and become aggressive. So, I, uh, so when and adding James Pezos and Juan Acasio, you're making your bullpen better. If you can, right now, right now the Phillies bullpen is better. You have Naris, you have Sir Anthony, you have um, Hunter, Nishak. I think they're going to trade Nishak and maybe Hunter. They're both on the table. But you add in Juan Acasio and James Pezos to that, and your bullpen's just better. Right there, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's like instead of having Luis Garcia, you're bringing in Juan Acasio. Instead of having Adam Morgan, you're bringing in James Pezos. And that's just right now. Like that's right now b- before the winter meetings have even gotten here. There's so much more stuff the, the Phillies have to do with the bullpen, but I think we're going to see them really start to prioritize it because I think they want to be as aggressive as possible in games with Gabe Kapler as their manager. So this is a good strategy for me. I, I'm happy with, with, with where, this, where this team is so far. And the other main thing that I like the most about the Gene Segura trade is that it feels like the Phillies as an offensive philosophy and as a front office are starting to take what – the Red Sox, Astros, um, Rays, Indians, what those teams did from an offensive approach this season and, and kind of getting away from the launch angle and, and big strikeout numbers. Because no matter if you value strikeouts or don't think they matter as much, listen, when, when it's a runner on second, no outs, and you can't move the guy over to third base because you're striking out, and that does nothing. That does absolutely nothing. And for me, I, l- I don't mind the launch angle. I think it's added nice breakouts to guys who n- normally wouldn't have had the ability to break out. It's, it's, it's led to a bunch of breakouts. But you can't expect everyone to fall into the launch angle movement. And guys like Scott Kingery. I mean, Kingery was on with WIP the other day, and he, pretty, he talked pretty openly about how you know, the launch angle stuff just wasn't for him. And and how it, they change his approach too much, and he wants to get back to how he used to swing. And I don't like the idea that the Phillies are are changing the approaches of guys who were not normally launch angle guys. And by adding a Gene Segura, again, does not strike out. Gene Segura, like he's the fourth hardest guy to strike out in the league last year. He has great back control. Will put the ball in play. And in, in drafting a guy like Alec Baum, I mean Alec Baum hates to strike out. And it feels like they're and they're targeting Michael Brantley, who was the, the third hardest guy to strike out last year. Obviously, Harper put up bigger strikeout numbers, but for the main, for the most part, the guys they've targeted this offseason, the guy they've the guys they've targeted in trades, and in, in their recent draft picks are guys that don't strike out and and hate to strike out, and maybe aren't the crazy like Gene Segura is not a launch angle guy. Gene Segura is just a, a regular hitter. He is just a a pure batsman, and. I just think that that is such a – it's so refreshing that they're, the Phillies are not just going down this 
jamming this launch angle thing down your throat. Again, I'm not saying I hate launch angle, but I don't think it has to be a whole team philosophy. We've talked about it many times. We watched the Yankees last year. We watched the Dodgers. And in the postseason, it's easy to get those guys out. For the regular season, for the regular season, launch angle is fine. And going for home runs is fine because for the most part, home runs are going to win ballgames in the regular season. But when it comes to the postseason, it's going to be way, way, way harder for that stuff to translate because everything's so specialized. You have guys that can come in out of the bullpen, and if they can hit 98 up in the zone, inside, outside, like at the numbers or at the letters, like that's going to be so hard for guys and teams that prioritize launch angle to catch up to. Because if they, they have a formula for everything in the postseason, in the regular season, it's fine. Like you're going to put up all those numbers and you're going to win up a lot of games. But when it comes to the nitty gritty, it is easy to get out launch angle guys in the postseason. And I'm just glad that it seems like the Phillies are, are changing their approach a little bit from launch angle and slug and all we want is home runs and doubles to guys that can, can get on base and, and move runners along and all that stuff. It's really, really good. Now, Gene Segura. My one problem with Gene Segura, and the one thing I'm, it's kind of causing me pause, is that he's 29. He's probably going to be a second baseman soon. And he doesn't really have pop. I know, I know uh, Safeco is not really a home run f- friendly place. So it's not going to be, like, I think he's going to hit 15 plus homers here. My main concern is that what happens in like two years when he starts really starting to age a little bit? Is he just going to be a singles hitter that, you know, bats 290, 300, and will will have like a 320 OBP? Or is he going to be 280 with a 310 OBP? He's going to turn into that kind of guy. Is it going to be a Ben Revere kind of thing where he'd bat 300? But I'm, I'm, I'm just worried that he's going to turn into just a singles hitter. And if that's a second baseman, fine. Um, I just don't know where the – like if, he, if, if, if that's shortstop – don't believe in that. If they don't get Machado and there's no other third baseman, they move him to third base, and then you have a singles hitter at third base. That's my one cause for concern. But I just think if you're going into next year and you're thinking about adding a Harper, you're thinking about adding a major starting pitcher, you need to build pieces to win now. And that's my whole thing. That's why that's why I'm so passionate about them going after a number two starter because, you again, you can't walk into next season. You can't plan – for a a a first round uh, matchup, division series matchup or wild card matchup, and if you don't have Nola going, you cannot walk into that thinking that Arietta is good enough to get is good enough to win you a, a postseason game. They need a legit number two. They need a legit number two, and that leads us to Patrick Corbin. Now today, today was a bunch of uh, momentum towards what seems like might be a Patrick Corbin deal. And as I'm recording that, Patrick Corbin is going to the Nationals on a six-year deal. And I got I, I got to be completely honest with you. I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I like Patrick Corbin. I was a proud Patrick Corbin fantasy owner last year. Uh, after his first start, I said, welcome to the Patrick Corbin breakout year. And he backed me up. But, man, am I glad the Phillies aren't being stupid with their stupid money. I was, I was very concerned about going into this offseason and being like, wow, he's going to come out and say he has stupid money and – all these agents are going uh, to use the Phillies for all their negotiating tactics, and the Phillies are going to get played by a bunch of agents, and they're going to have to overspend and overpay for everyone. And the fact that they didn't get sucked into a Patrick Corbin deal for 
six years and whatever this turns out to be, I don't know the exact numbers right now. I think that is a major win, a major win for the Phillies because I, he's not worth it. I like Patrick Corbin. He's going to be 30. He's, this is the first year he's really healthy, and there was a dip in the middle of the season where he stopped striking guys out. His fastball velocity was down. He throws a lot of sliders. I'm, Patrick Corbin was not going to be worth whatever, whatever the team's going to pay him. The Nationals are going to be paying Patrick Corbin until he's 36. I am totally fine with that. I am, I am good with, with no Patrick Corbin. I'd much rather go after a guy like Madison Bumgarner. And I know Madison Bumgarner is like this voodoo, you know, why, why would you go after Madison Bumgarner? He's clearly on the decline. Madison Bumgarner had a dirt bike incident two years ago and took a pinky off the hand next year, where he, or last year, where he could never totally get right. Madison Bumgarner is a guy who, frankly, I just think is going to age well. He has all the makings of a lefty horse that's going to pitch well into his mid-30s. Is it going to be as dominant and as ridiculous as Madison Bumgarner was? Probably not. But if I had to bank on one of Corbin or Corbin or Mad Bum aging better into their next contract, I'm banking 1,000% on, on Madison Bumgarner. I know he's at the down years, but I just think that a lot of that had to do with fluke injuries. And I, I think he's going to be a really good pitcher for a long time. He doesn't put much wear and tear on his arm. I know he's pitched a lot of innings, but I would rather take a chance on a guy that's pitched over 200 innings and a bunch of innings in the postseason and knows how to do it rather than Patrick Corbin, who just eclipsed 200 innings for the first time in his age 29 season, heading into 30. Like This was such an outlier season, and it was right in a contract year, and he pitched all the way through it, and now he's got a major deal from the Nationals. The Nationals have to pay Strasburg's contract, Scherzer's contract, and now Patrick Corbin. There's no way they can pay Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is definitely leaving. There's a bunch of industry sources saying that they think Bryce Harper's going back to the Nationals. That's not possible right now. I am... I am glad that John Middleton did not be stupid with his stupid money. I think that is that is the most important thing that I took away from the Patrick Corbin fiasco today, where it looked like the Phillies weren't going to get outbid. I'm glad they did not just put all their eggs in the Corbin or in the Corbin basket. However, I think it is very very important that they go out and and get a legit number two starter in here, whether it's Mad Bum or somewhere else. Or maybe, listen, I think Morton and Hap could do the job, but it's not a legit number two, and both are 35 and 36 years old. They're more, they're more stop gaps than anything. I want them to go and actually get a legitimate number two. Because once again, if you're going to go add Bryce Harper, you just traded for Gene Segura, you can't go into next season and expect to try to compete with, with the guys they have right now as their number two. So I hope the Phillies are, are thinking about that a lot. So major news, Patrick Corbin uh, will not be a Philly. He will be a national. The, the National League East is getting m- more and more talented. You have the Phillies, who are kind of that sleeping giant, make their first move. Gene Segura, good trade. Hoskins back to first. It opens up left field for a, maybe a Michael Brantley type or an Aaron Altair type. What? Yes. If you didn't think I was going to bring up that Aaron Altair did get tendered and we will be back next year, I mean, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Aaron Altair is back, and you're starting left field. I'm just kidding. He probably won't be. But the Phillies have a lot of holes they got to fill. Um, the Gene Segura trade was a good start. They added bullpens to a bullpen that is going to be used next year. I talked about it earlier. I think Gabe wants to be aggressive with the use of his pen. And if they can go get a number two to pair with Aaron Nola, a guy that can get you seven innings and then and save the bullpen for the rest of the three days, they, I, don't think I don't think they'll ever go the opener route per se. Um, but they will be aggressive in those other days to get offensive in there. And in adding Juan Acasio and, and, and James Pezos, you are, you are taking out Adam Morgan, 
You're taking out a Luis Garcia and adding him legit talent. Now they may go out and get Zach Britton, who I'm now on board with. Hopefully don't get Andrew Miller. Craig Kimbrell, again, don't want big money, but there's guys to be out there. There's deals to be made. It's getting exciting. Uh, this is a really quick high hopes. I want to make sure we we did address the Gene Segura stuff because everyone else is getting their stuff out there. I don't want us to be forgotten. And now with the immediate Patrick Corbin news, I think it's perfect. I'm sorry it was a solo high hopes, but I hope that you understand that James Seltzer was literally having a baby as all this was going down. So once James Seltzer is good to go, we might do on Friday. This is going to be a multiple uh, high hopes week. Thanks for listening to the solo high hopes, and we will talk to you later this week. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.